You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. Uh, hey guys, I'm Zach. Uh, good morning. It's good to have you here. Um, today we're going to be continuing through the book of John. Uh, more specifically, we're going to be continuing through our series on the signs of John. Uh, if we remember week one, Randy kind of gave us an overview of all the signs we'd be talking about. Week two, I talked about the first sign, which was the turning of the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. Uh, and then last week, we had Chris Williams help us out here in the pulpit. He did an awesome job, loved watching that. Um, and he talked about the Roman official that came to Jesus. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the pool of Bethsaida or Bethesda. If I've got any Skyrim fans out there, that one's going to go over like 90% of your heads. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about that miracle today. So we're going to be jumping into John 5, 1 through 15 to see what it says. And it says, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles come up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Real quick before we move on, let me explain what this even is. All right? There's this pool called Bethesda, which stands for house of the Lord. That's what Bethesda or Bethsaida, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it means house of the Lord, house of God. And there is this myth. There is this superstition that an angel comes down and prompts water to come out of the pool. And if you get down in the water, as soon as it bubbles up, you will be healed. And so that's what all these people are doing there. They're all sitting around this fountain waiting for this moment to get in this water as the water bubbles up so the first one in can get healed. And this guy's saying, I can never be the first one in because no one can carry me into the water. And so Jesus just looks at him and he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Okay, here's the deal. This passage is a little tricky for me. And this is the part where I get to plug the importance of studying your Bible. And I don't mean reading your Bible. You should read your Bible, but I mean studying your Bible. 
I mean, like, why does this say what it says? What's the context? What were the times like? What, what is the importance, right? What is this all about? The second thing I want to say that is really important is having good people to talk about the Bible with, all right? And the reason I bring all this up is because up until earlier this week, had I not had a very interesting conversation with Randy and then gone and poured over my Bible 20, 30 times reading commentary after commentary, I would have preached this message very differently because I've always read it very differently. See, there's, there's no denying that the guy sells Jesus up the river, right? That happens. But I have always read, in my view, that he did it out of ignorance, I've always kind of looked at him and like, this guy was just so blissfully ignorant of the fact that he has just been cured. That he's running around. He's telling everybody. But upon pouring over this text, I don't think I can make it say that. I think this guy just knew what he was doing and sold Jesus out. He didn't want to get in trouble, so he sold Jesus out. Now, here's why that's difficult. You don't want it to read that way. Because this guy just got a miracle. He just got the miracle he's been waiting 40 years of his life for, right? So why would he sell Jesus out? And if that's what this passage is saying, then what could we possibly learn from this? What is the message here? I think the only way to find that message is to stop reading this passage by itself. What I mean by that, I'll, I'll get into that. Has anybody here ever heard of parallelism? Legitimately, show of hands if you have. Yeah? Okay. Pay attention if you haven't. This is important. Um, it's a form of Hebrew poetry, and it is all over your Bible. All over it. Everywhere you turn, you're going to find parallelism. And it can pop up a few different ways. It can mean a couple things. One, it can be like a repetition of a phrase. Right, that you keep seeing the same word or same sentence or same passage come up time and time again. We see that throughout the Bible. Uh, think about Genesis, right, and the creation account. And on the first day, and on the second day, and on the third day, and on the fourth day, it's all laid out there in a very specific way. And when you break it down and you look at it, you start to see these patterns in the way it's written, right? Okay. The other way it can show up is sometimes you're reading your Bible and you go, Hey, that thing I just read sounds an awful lot like something else I know I've read somewhere in the Bible. And here's what I want you to know about that is it's not an accident. It is not just like by chance. It just so happens to be sort of like something else. The authors of the Bible and being inspired by God means that it knows exactly what it's doing. The Bible is so aware that it wants you to go, hey, that sounds familiar. That must mean I should look at it because it's important. That's what parallelism does for us. Okay? Now, knowing that, I feel really dumb because I have never once, not once, read John 5 and gone, hey, that sounds an awful lot like Mark 2. But it does. And so I think we have to read Mark 2. Mark 2, 1 through 12 says this. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Okay. Here's what I think happens when you read those two stories side by side. It highlights three very important points to us. The first point is the importance of faith in Jesus Christ. The second point is the value of a few really good friends. And the third one is just how much Jesus hates sin. What do you mean by that, Zach? Think about it. And John... This man has faith. The guy that's been sitting by the pool for almost 40 years definitely has faith, right? But what's his faith in? It's in a superstition. It's in a a, a magical, quotations, magical pool that is going to heal this man if he can just be the first guy in the water, right? And Jesus sees this guy and he... He stands in front of him, and this guy can't even tell that the God of all creation is standing in front of him, right? He doesn't see that. But Jesus says, stand up, you're healed. He says, do you want to be healed? The guy says, I can't be healed. I can't get in the water. Nobody will carry me there. Nobody can do that for me. He's got nobody to bring him there, right? But Jesus looks at him and says, stand up and take your mat and go home. This guy just got the miracle he's been waiting 40 years for. He just got the miracle he has waited his entire life for. It's happening. It's real. And as soon as things get hard, as soon as, soon as things get tricky, as soon as the Pharisees are breathing down his neck and asking, what are you doing? Why are you carrying that? As soon as Jesus shows up and looks at him and says what Jesus really wanted to say to him, hey, listen, I know you're healed, but you're only half healed. In fact, I want you to stop sinning because there are things way worse than being paralyzed. There are things that could happen that are way worse than being paralyzed. And he's talking about hell. He's saying you'd you'd be better off being paralyzed and never go into hell. This is kind of the, you know, you'd be better to cut off your hand or gouge out your eye than to go into hell. Jesus is saying, look, I get it. You're healed. That's great. But you've got to turn away from your sin. That's what's really important here. And as soon as the guy hears that, 
I don't know if he hates the message. I don't know if he just doesn't care. I don't know if he just doesn't believe Jesus. But what does he do? He sells him up the river. He goes and he tells them exactly who did this to him. That is evil. It's wrong what he does. It's a sin, right? Why would he sell out God? And then we look at the flip side. The man in Mark 2. He just hears Jesus is coming to town. And he has to be there. He knows that this is the man. I've heard all about this guy. This is the man. He's the Messiah. This guy can heal me. I've heard all the stories. I've seen it. I know it's true. And he gets four really good friends. And he can't get there by himself. So his friends carry him on a mat to get to Jesus. And when they get there, the place is so crowded, they can't get inside. So what do they do? They dig through the roof of the house. So they can lower him down to Jesus. Because they know if they can just get their friend down to Jesus, Jesus can take care of this whole situation. And so Jesus sees this. And he sees the faith in these men. And what does he say to the man? He says the most important thing he could ever say to the man. He doesn't say, you're healed. Pick up your mat and go home. He says, my son, your sins are forgiven. And then the Pharisees get mad. And then Jesus says, well, wait, 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 wait. What's harder? Is it harder for me to say your sins are forgiven? Or is it harder for me to say, pick up your mat and go home? The healing is the afterthought. What's the point? What are we talking about? Here's the deal. When you read these two stories side by side, as you start to see that we're all just sitting on mats. We're all just a bunch of people sitting on our own little mats and we've got our own problems. Maybe your problem is a physical ailment like the man in the story. Maybe it's blindness or deafness or weakness. Maybe you can't walk. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's some kind of disease. Maybe your troubles are worldly troubles. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's anger issues. Maybe it's just that you just can't seem to get a leg up in the world. Jesus wants to heal you. But he wants you to have faith in him because he's the only one that can do it. He doesn't want you to put your faith in the stuff of this world because it can't heal you. This world will only break you down. It'll only let you down. That man wasted 40 years of his life waiting for a body of water to do something. And then God steps in the picture and instantly the man is healed. But our faith has to be in the right place. The second thing that we all need is we all need a few good friends that know and love Jesus Christ. We need the kind of friends in our life that are willing to pick us up and carry us to Jesus when we can't do it ourselves. We need friends like that. Everyone needs friends like that. And we need to be friends like that. Maybe the man at the well of Bethesda's story would have been different if he had a few friends like that. And the third thing we need to know is that yes, Jesus wants to heal us, and he will. He will heal you of everything that's wrong with you. He will. Maybe in this life. Maybe those things will fall off in this life. 
But that's not promised. We know that one day we'll stand before him and we will be perfect in eternity. That is promised. But the other thing, the most important thing, is that Jesus wants to make your heart right. Jesus wants to turn you away from your sin. Because Jesus looks at our temporary bodies and he says, I care about those and I want those to be right, but I will set those to the side and I will make that secondary if it means saving who you are inside. Because Jesus cares about your everlasting soul far more than he cares about your temporary body. Believe and live. That's what we see in Mark 2. And that's what we fail to see in John 5. But when we fail to see something, sometimes that paints an even more important picture. That we don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be the guy that receives the blessings, that receives all the love from God. Jesus could pour out miracle after miracle on your life, and that doesn't mean it's going to save you. There's people that go through life with very few problems. There's people that live their whole lives loving Christ and pouring out their hearts and souls for other people, and they cannot catch a break. But that does not mean that Christ is not with them. He cares more about our souls than our well-being in this life. He is preparing us for an eternity, and sometimes that means going through some hard stuff. The point today, guys, it's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will live. You put your faith in him and you will live. Go be the kind of friends that people need. And let him change you from the inside out. Believe and live. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.